It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Game to Love podcast. And today we have the extremely special guest, number 111 in the world. We have the famous Dennis Kudler. Good to have you on, Dennis. Uh, how has life been in quarantine for you since uh, this hiatus has started? Yeah, life in quarantine has been interesting. Um, obviously, when it all began, it was a shock to everyone. Um, I remember hearing it. I was actually on a golf course, and I was hearing rumors about it, and I just said, there's no way. Um, if Australia were going to play through those fires, we're playing through this because at the time there was only like maybe six cases and something in, in Palm Springs. Uh, so when it all canceled, it was weird. Uh, the mental state of mind was a little bit, um, I tried not to panic, but it kind of was because of the uncertainty. Yeah. But honestly, I've, I've enjoyed this time. Uh, I've never been at home this long since I was probably 12 years old. Um, so it, it's, it's nuts. I love it. Um, obviously it sucks what's happening in the world with everything, but the opportunity to be at home, I just got a puppy anytime with my girlfriend, my, fr- uh, my family, um, create a routine at home, actually enjoy the apartment I pay for. Uh, it's nice. <laughs> it's, 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 so, um, I've actually enjoyed it. I, I can't believe it's already May, what, May 7th, uh, or May man, it's nuts, man. The time's just flying by. It's like, where's the year Bye. gone already? flying by so i'm actually glad that if it's flying i get to enjoy home for a little bit i, I know post-career it's probably going to be like man i wish i'm back on the road but uh <laughs> in the meantime uh i'm enjoying it now that's good like, i've seen um on your twitter you've been doing a lot of new things probably what you don't have time to do usually so you've been Absolutely. doing a bit of cooking a few little challenges a lot of players i saw the look the wine bottle one was one of my the most impressive ones for sure yeah I was just winging it. I mean, I know <laughs> I was supposed to do it like four days earlier uh, and I just kept like 
prolonging it. And I was like, oh man, I need to do this. I need to figure something out. I haven't planned anything. So I was like, uh, okay. I'm just looking around. Like, Let's try a wine bottle. Let's see. And I was like, okay, it's like semi difficult. It's actually not as easy as I thought it was. And I was like, okay, let's see. And maybe I can give a little shout out. Uh, I think the toughest part was trying to remember my lines um, <laughs> and, and like focus on actually like bouncing the ball. So you confirming now that that wasn't your first take? That was my second take. Oh, well done. (laughs) It's impressive. The first one I had, uh, the balls were staying up. I was fine, but I messed up my line. And I was like, no, I can't post that. So then the second time I got it down. So that was good. Uh, And then give a shout out to Wine Bottle, see if anything happened, but nothing happened. Uh (laughs) I actually still have that exact bottle. I haven't even drank it yet. Yeah, I saw that there was a lot of uh, items on shelves and stuff. You don't want that ball going all over the place. No. Otherwise, you could have some broken bits and pieces. No. <laughs> we, stocked, <laughs> we, we stocked up for sure. We, we wanted to make sure if, if we didn't have a, if we had a shortage in food, we were not going to have a shortage in alcohol. So <laughs> We think we've all done that. <laughs> we're all guilty yeah, of that. We have, we have funded our local liquor stores very nicely. Ah, that's very generous. And how about the cooking? How's the cooking going? Getting better? Good. Yeah, really good. I mean, I have, I've always loved food. I've always wanted to be a good cook, but I've never had the time to really learn. Um, And I've watched all these like videos and and read a couple books. Um, Like Gordon Ramsay and and Bobby Flay are like two chefs I love. So I, I, I was learning stuff that you don't have the time to work on techniques or anything. And then you leave for a month, you come back, you forget. So now I'm cooking all the time. It's no, been awesome. Cool. I, I love it. Like in the beginning, it was all right. It was good. And now I get into a point where it's just like learning the components of food. That it's not about like knowing the recipes. It's all about just understanding how certain foods work with each other. And then you can just wing it. And that's where like right. the creativity comes in. And now, yeah, like, that's yeah. the best chef. That's what I say as well. Like just sometimes you feel like it needs a bit of that. You just put it all in. <laughs> What would you say? I'd say has been your signature dish that you've created so far. Ooh, um, signature dish. I mean, we literally have bought a new cookbook and been trying new recipes left and right, uh, trying not to repeat the same thing. But I would okay. say the best thing I've done, I'm most proud of, um, is I had a frozen chicken that I thought was going to taste terrible. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to make it taste good. And I was able to marinate it with a bunch of things. I've been messing around with meats, with soy sauce, uh, Worcester sauce, um, and then like cumin. And I use a lot of like red chili pepper and chili flakes uh, and some rosemary thyme and got it in a cast iron skillet. You're getting me hungry. Two or three hours, yeah. So oh. It's lunchtime here in the <laughs> UK. Listen, <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked how I put it together. And nice. with our fresh chicken, and like my girlfriend, she doesn't even like chicken. And she was like, wow, I actually like this. <laughs> so I was like, this is great. So is this uh, going to be the venture maybe after tennis, whenever that is in many years' time? You might be have your own cooking show on TV or YouTube. <laughs> maybe his own restaurant. Rest- yeah, 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 I've actually always wanted to own a restaurant. But wow. I said I would only own a restaurant if I knew I had enough money to lose and be okay because yeah. I know how tough it is. Especially I now. Wouldn't wanna, yeah, I wouldn't want to go in there knowing that this is like do or die for me. I don't know if that pressure yeah. is what I want. Uh, I mean, I want pressure, but not that pressure because obviously what's the I mean, percentage of successful restaurants, like 5% or something that lasts past 
five years or something, five or seven years. So I'm not trying to do something just for five or seven years if I were to go to restaurant business. Yeah. Yeah. So on to the actual tennis itself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Tennis now. So what have you been, have you been doing much training or been Um, playing any tennis? I have not hit a ball in about five weeks. Um, I played mini tennis. Uh, actually, hit on the ball. I hit on the wall like two days ago. Okay. And my hands are getting too soft. I have, as one of my friends said, I have piano hands now. <laughs> uh, a little too soft. Um, I've lost my calluses and everything, so I'm a little worried about when I return what the blisters are going to look like. Um, yeah, you only hope is a lot of other players should be in the same boat. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all going to be just. Talking to the ATP physios or sending us buckets of tape, like, like, like <laughs> I hurt for my fingers. I think I can play. We're all going to be excited to play. Everyone's going to go out like four hours on the first day, and everyone's hands are going to be ripped up. I, I'm. I bet you there are going to be pictures on Instagram of everyone's like first day blisters and hands. For sure, and they're all going to be ripped up. I, I promise you. Nice, dude. But uh, yeah, I've been training. I've been training actually. Um, I've been stepping on the scale like three or four times a day after every meal to make sure I'm not fat. <laughs> so, good yeah i could put i put on weight pretty good i'm only like two or three pounds over um at a time so the once i get over 180 pounds i don't know a kilos i'm like uh i think i'm like 79 or 80 so if i get over like if i hit to like 81 or 82 i, I it's a hard day i need to work on so it's uh it's once a day in the morning and then now we got a bike and where I'm living right now, um, we're not too strict. We can work out. We're allowed to take bike rides and run. So I do that in the afternoon and just try to be as outside as much as possible. Yeah, no, I'm happy to hear that you're looking after your body and stuff. So that's always yeah. good. Yeah, uh, I feel like for you personally, like looking at, we've been looking at like some of your most recent results and stuff. Like this whole Corona mm-hmm. thing, obviously it's not ideal. It's, everyone's been affected massively. But for you, like using some quite good form, you beat some good players. Yeah. And I, I was really fancying to see where you would have gone this year. Like, it was interesting to see, for sure. Yeah, I mean, my career has kind of been the story of up and down. I've had a great year, and then an average year, a great year, and then an average year. So this was on par to be another great year. <laughs> um, and, oh, that's my dog. <laughs> it's the first dog on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was eating all the flowers. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I was playing well. I was in great form. Um, I had an interesting year last year, which um, kind of I played. I overplayed. Um, I did well in the slams, but I didn't do well anywhere else. And somehow yeah. hovered around a hundred. I thought I was going to drop actually a lot more. And had a terrible end of the year. I lost to guys who were two, three hundred spots below mm-hmm. me. That not that they're not great but i feel like i was favored i should have i should have probably won those matches and i just mentally didn't want to play so i went into that off season and i completely put everything into my fitness into my mental game really dedicated um that's usually the recipe for success in tennis and i was able to um start my year off awesome i was playing great i didn't do well in australia which kind of kind of bothered me a little bit uh but i was doing well everywhere else i thought i could have won three or four challengers I told myself I was going to lose this year. Every single guy is going to have to play unbelievable against me. And I feel yeah. like I've I achieved that. I thought all the matches I lost were actually 7-5 in the third, 7-6 in the third, you know, 6-6. Six six. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> yeah. Someone, had, someone had to play really well to beat me. I, have, I haven't lost like 2-2 two and two at all. No. So 
I was good. And I think it almost, this uh, quarantine almost hurts the guys who are playing well because of how tough it is to gain momentum and confidence in the sport and how easy it is to Definitely. kind of not care, not play well. You, you can lose it in a, in a, in a you know, drop of a ball or whatever. But, um, so, Especially if you manage to get that mental side of your game back again. That's that's exactly. what, something we were sort of speaking to. We obviously spoke to Noah Rubin, and he was obviously this, uh, he's, a lot about mental health and all the problems in tennis with it and then we spoke with Ilya Marchenko and he was saying sort of as he got into the latter stages of his career now he's sort of really he it doesn't affect him as badly as it used to he's sort of more relaxed he doesn't have the stress levels you can accept a loss are much better than what he used to like before a loss sort of put him in like a spiraling spiraling sort of impact where the, the next game it can affect his match but he was sort of looking at it in a way where he can learn more from a loss and in a positive yeah. sort of energy. I think, I think the mental side of the game, everyone's anxiety comes from different places and they deal with it better. I think why older guys do better with it is because of experience. Um, maybe sometimes anxiety comes from the pressure of not having enough money and not doing this, not doing that. And if, you, if you've had a pretty good career, you know, you've, you've done it. And, and also coming from his background, I know it comes from Ukraine, like actually from there, I was born yeah. there. Yeah. So I'm familiar <laughs> with what a childhood could be there. Um, so I mean, may, maybe he's a little bit more at peace with his career and, and how everything going and has everything going. And then uh, maybe younger guys maybe have that with, uh, I'm not sure what the future holds for me. Am I going to do this? I'm going to do that. I have friends that could be working in these jobs. Maybe I should have done that. And I, I'm just saying two examples. There could be millions of examples, but I think uh, the mental health part of it, um, you need to be aware of it in your own situation. I think staying present is the biggest thing. I'm actually a big writer. Um, I do a lot of kind of journaling every morning to get my head in the right place. I find that it allows me to like, give myself my own promise. Um, and it, it doesn't keep you thinking of what's in the future or what's going to happen. You just can't control it. I mean, controlling what you control is what I preach all the time. And, um, that, that's, that's all you can do. No, that's really cool. But you're using a time like this to be creative and do things you actually really enjoy. So I think a lot of people watching this can sort of look upon it and think, you know what, I actually really enjoy doing something like that. I'm going to go do it because it will definitely help you in not just what you're doing, but in other things as well in the whole life. So yeah, I mean, the tough tough situation is like, I was joking around that it was, this is a great time to learn something maybe outside of tennis. Um, And if you're reading any of those self-help books, uh, inspiration books, they're like, go out there and just do it. Give what you want. But it's like, you literally can't go out and do it. Because <laughs> everything's closed. Go online and do it. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so very selective of what you can do right now, but you can prepare. Like this is the perfect time to study on something, really get all your yeah. facts straight. <clears throat> if you have other passions or in tennis, I mean, for me, I'm trying to keep. I'm actually watching tennis um, and trying to keep my mind sharp. I'm trying to remember all the plays and, and things that I recognize uh, and patterns, uh, match behavior, match pace, kind of dictating the flow of the game so i'm trying to remember that by watching i'm actually looking forward to watching um the utr event today in a couple yeah. hours uh, i'm excited to see what shape these guys are in uh, more more the american guys than i know her because i train with him in saddlebrook in tampa and i know he's a beast so he's probably in like peak shape right now <laughs> so i'm excited <laughs> to see how he uh, maybe takes on tommy paul 
who I heard like a couple of weeks ago, he said in his interview that he was thick for real, which probably meant that he was <laughs> really pretty overweight. So it's going to be an interesting combination. Maybe slower around the court. <laughs> yeah, maybe be going for winners a little bit early you know, than you need to be. That's it. Uh, yeah, if we could rewind a little bit of the conversation. I know you're touching on your career last uh yeah last year 2019 just wanted to we sort of skimmed over it but yeah i thought we'd just review a couple of those matches because you just uh had a great you had a great us open there and yeah third, third round uh you well you beat tip serafich in the first round and you were set down showed the mental resolve to come back from a set down and beat him and then dusan lajovic which is well top top 30 yeah. i think he was 26 or something i think he was 20 something yeah yeah, yeah. he was 27 seed, and yeah. beat yeah. him in four sets as well like, that's incredible mm-hmm. uh incredible scalp that one yeah i mean i thought it was, it was awesome um i was having a pretty up and down summer leading into it um had some good results had some bad results i was practicing really well but i really wasn't translating it into matches so I was pretty nervous going into the U.S. Open. I was practicing unbelievable. I was beating everybody in practice sets. Um, I was like, okay, don't overthink this. Like, it's almost like the worst thing ever when you beat everybody in practice. Like, put this pressure <laughs> okay. on yourself. Like, gosh. Um, and so I saw Tim Sarovich. I knew it was his last slam. Um, he was definitely not the same that he was when he was top 10. Um, but so I, I was actually really happy with that draw. I was like, okay, this is an awesome opportunity. And I have Lajevic has a seed potential. I was not trying to look too far ahead. I was like, okay, there's an opportunity here to maybe make a third round again. I haven't made one in four or five, four or five years. Um, and in Wimbledon, right? Wimbledon, you got the fourth yeah, round. Yeah, Wimbledon. Yeah. I had a couple. I had a couple opportunities in Australia to make third round. Um, even Wimbledon. So I, I was really itching for a third round appearance. I was kind of tired of just being a first, second round loser all the time. Um, so Tip Sarovic, obviously first match of a slam, you're always pretty nervous. Started off slow. I played, uh, I remember I played a terrible service game, just couldn't break back, just couldn't find the rhythm of things. Um, second set, um, what was the second? Second set I thought was pretty handily as well. I think it was up a break. Uh, well, the first two sets were, I think, 6-3 and 3-6, right? Or something I believe like that. so, yeah. One break each. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I remember the third set was huge. I was down a break. He served for it. Um, and I was okay. like, gosh, I do not want to be playing five six, sets right now. 6-1 in the second set. You've sold yourself short. I'm blending I'm blending matches. I can imagine. It's so <laughs> easy to do. <laughs> I was actually watching those highlights like last week, so I should have remembered. Okay, now I do remember. R- remind me of the score. It was so it was three six was six one seven yeah. six six seven, one six. again. That's it, six one again. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then so then yeah. Third set was that's when I was down a break. Uh I was like, Man, I played a bad game. I needed to get it back. He's serving for it. He was serving well and I just couldn't get a look on his return games. And then I played an awesome game to break. Momentum shifted, breaker was so tight, we were both missing everything. Like who who wants to give it away? Yeah, was <laughs> give it away, and then uh, I was actually so tight when he uh, doubled at yeah, five six. It, I had a couple of good points. I mean, it looks like we were playing smooth, but my hands were just like gripping that racket, <laughs> and uh, I was so happy to get that double from him. Um, and then I think that really relaxed me. Yeah, I need to start. I need to start off this four set not being down a break. Um, and then. And he, I think, had blisters on his feet and just stopped moving. And I was like, oh, okay, it's one of those guys. It's one of those like situations. <laughs> it's not 
tanking, but it was like, okay, don't blow this, you know, like don't give them like unnecessary wins. Yeah, I was gonna, um, I was gonna ask in that sort of situation, like if you lose the first set or like against Lajovic in the next round, uh, you were two sets up and then lost six nil in the third set. Like, there's obviously a mental sort of side you got to overcome. Did the because you're in the U.S. Open, does the crowd really pump you up and get you up for the next set, or they do pump you up? But the thing is. You've also got the pressure of that as well. It makes it harder yeah. as well. I must, admit, I must admit. It does. It does. It can make you tight. So I feed off of it, but then sometimes your adrenaline gets too high. And in tennis, your adrenaline's yeah. too high. You might not like be thinking clearly. Um, you have to give them a reason to pump you up. The thing is, they can do yeah. everything possible, but if you're not winning points or like winning a big moment or getting to that big moment, they can scream all they want. It almost yeah, pisses yeah, you true. off if you're not delivering. <laughs> because you're like, gosh, I know. like, come on, you can do it. We want to cheer for you. We want to cheer for you. Yeah. I'm just like, I know, try it. It can be tough sometimes, but uh, in, in the US Open, it's awesome. Sometimes it can be a little bit tough. Um, like one of my worst tournaments is actually my hometown tournament in DC. I'm awful here. Um, <laughs> but sometimes the pressure of family and friends and just wanting to impress them uh, can be tough. But the US Open, Luckily, I uh, have not had that issue. That was good. And then, uh, yeah, the Lajevic match, that was crazy. I, I was starting off great. We played a couple times. Um, I've beaten him on grass. He's beaten crap out of me at the French Open on another clay court event. Um, so we knew we both could beat each other. So it was an opportunity of a lifetime to play, not having to play like a top 10 seed second round. Yeah. Um, and started off great. We had some epic points. He just he seemed like a step slow. He was just a little off. It, it was early. We were first on. Um, we got washed out the day before, so like the energy was weird yeah. at the open. I like this is great for me. I thought uh, five and five, and then something happened in the third set. I just played terrible, and then I kind of it just went so fast. I lost it six zero. I was like, okay, I, I need to like regroup. Uh, I think I was thinking too much about, oh man, I'm up two sets a lot. Don't, don't mess this up. Because <laughs> yeah, your, uh, ba- your serve was banging so much in the first two yeah. sets. It just seemed so strange that it just suddenly just dropped off your service yeah. game. In that set. I think what happened was my, I actually did not feel good from the baseline um, okay. the whole match. I, I was pushing. I didn't think I, I knew where the ball was going to land. So I was just kind of swinging with my eyes closed and just hoping for the best. <laughs> but my serve was there. So when I got broken one game, I didn't feel like I could break. And then just kind of, it affected my serve. And then if I lost my serve, I didn't have anything else to rely on. Just my legs. Uh, but I just was so foggy in my head that I, I didn't use it. Uh, and then the third set, once I got an early break, stayed on. It was serving better. It was great. Uh, 5-3, 40 love. I was like, okay, don't choke. That was like the worst thing I could think of. That's all the opportunity. I actually was down break point in that game. And we started playing some epic points. I was somehow saving them. At match point, I was so tight. I'm grunting so loud. Uh, my heart rate was through the roof. Like, I could not hit a ball towards the line to save my life. I was so tight. And I ended up going for a drop shot. So, I'm like, I can't hit a winner right now because I'm holding the racket so tight. So, wow. I'm going to go for a drop shot. And if it's good, uh, I'm going to get a chance to pass. Or, or something. So we'll see. And then luckily it was a great dropper. I had an opportunity. He hit this one ball, like hits half volley that was literally popped up like in front of the net. I'm running for on the forehand 
And he's just like back turned, just running for dear life. I was like, oh my God, all I have to do is just hit it over there, cross court, and I win this. Don't mess this up. And I actually shanked it. I actually shanked it a little bit, but I got wow. it. He even touched it. So it was just a, like a sigh of relief. I was like, oh my gosh. That was no, so incredible. I can only imagine the uh, pressure that's going on in your mind in those sort of points. Yeah, I mean, I've watched these matches. I'm like, man, people really don't see like the real raw emotion that's inside. Like they see it at the end when I was like, oh, I was like breathing heavily and just sigh of relief. But it's crazy what's going what's going through your mind. The thoughts you can think of in one second is nuts. No, I can I imagine because I can imagine because just playing against me, like when I play against my dad, like for me, that's just like a big rivalry. I feel like I need to win that match. And yeah. like when I come to like big moments, like break points, or if I'm closing out a set, my my serve is off. Everything I just I just seem to like it's just it's just me mentally. Yeah. It's just so hard. So when you're on the big stage, like you're talking about now, I just don't even know how you guys do it. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, you get used to it. You have to get used to it. I mean, everyone's first time. They're very only the top guys are the guys that just kind of flow into like robots, it. So yeah. yeah, they they want that stage. They just live for it. A lot of other people need to get used to it. They need experience before they can excel at that stage whatsoever. I mean, it's yeah. like played Djokovic. Like, I thought I played him so much better the second time than did the first time. I mean, Wimbledon center court was... I don't think I could have started any worse. <laughs> yeah, but the US Open, in that next round, you played so well against him as well. He just gets everything back how how yeah. does that feel when you're playing against him and that's just happening you just must be like what do you have to do <laughs> i mean luckily I, I got a second chance and so it was i could learn from my mistakes in wimbledon um could deal with the pressure i mean going out there in ash stadium at night it was always a dream of mine so adrenaline was through the roof i mean it's like a nightclub in there when you're walking out it's so loud and awesome i'm like wow like can i get a beer like <laughs> no i was ready for it we were i tried to make it very physical i was like okay don't give him like these first couple games like you did at wimbledon um let's battle let's see i mean if i die in 30 minutes out here like i die in 30 minutes it's good to go and we competed hard i thought yeah. until about Three two with a lot of good rallies to start that match um Sorry, and yeah he was just so he was so quick. I mean, he... I noticed the way that you were able to sort of... You had to just sort of try and shorten the rallies, just come to the net and just try and finish him off. Otherwise, he just keeps yeah. digging it back. If, unless you have a huge, huge weapon, and it's so tough to get by him. And he was also having this, like, left wrist injury, so I wasn't even sure he was going to play that match. Um, so I was picking on his backhand. I made sure not to mess that up. <laughs> he was just kind of putting his backhand in. Um, so it gave me a lot of opportunity that if I was in trouble to reset points, um and then use the opportunity to play long rallies because his legs were there and he was going to try to see if he could wear me out so um he was playing good i had a lot of break points i mean it killed me there i think i was like oh for eight on oh for nine on break points which which sucked i thought there's a lot of opportunities for momentum shifts and i just couldn't capitalize on them but i thought that's the way it goes sometimes man yeah towards the end i just i was dead um it is so humid in there the energy uh, i just i just got drained after i don't know hour how'd you hour play in this heat hard. as well though that's why i don't understand these long matches in this humidity i don't yeah. understand how tennis players do it how do you have I mean, to acclimatize in, in practice you can do it all day but then when you just have the pressure on it's almost like if you can survive three hours in practice 
that probably translates to like an hour and 40 minutes in a batch because the the adrenaline and everything if you're if you're like a high strung player it's just going to drain you that much faster and you can't you can't prepare for that in practice there's nothing you can do except for put money on the line or something i don't know like here we were gonna play 100 bucks if i miss this ball or something. Uh, but not, you're not gonna do that it's gonna piss you off so yeah exactly and that's the only way you can i don't know the only way you can replicate the nerves but it's, it still doesn't matter uh you never will so, get out to yeah. practice for sure yeah it's tough so is it the same when you come to the uk because i was quite surprised when reading up on a few of your statistics even though you're predominantly obviously u.s hardcore is just the main bread and butter like when you're actually your best records on grass and yeah like and I've also seen... i want to add to that question as well like do you have a favorite slam so do you have one what you prefer Wimbledon. playing at love Wimbledon. Wimbledon. love england okay. england is awesome i always say i don't think Man. i could live in europe but i could live in england <laughs> I could live in London. Like I've always wanted to get a place in London. Dream of mine, get out there. Like I love it. Oh, it's you're a, it's you're, a, you're welcome. Like you're welcome, mate. You can come over <laughs> anytime you want. <laughs> the, the sunny days in Wimbledon Village, dog and fox. I don't even think about a tournament. <laughs> but I love it. That's great. Um, no, I've always had a great record on on grass. I feel like it's complemented my game perfectly. I, I don't think grass is all about who's the best server. I think it's all about the best returners. And that's one of the strengths of my games. And I yeah. think it's just helped me so much. I've been comfortable on it. Um, I move well on it. I'm just, I'm not worried about kind of breaking my ankles or taking too many additional steps out of corners. So I just love that. I play flat. Everything yeah. kind of fits in my wheelhouse. And um, also just being comfortable in, in London and anywhere in England, like it just allows me to kind of play my best game. Is it a bit cooler, like less humidity as well? It can be. I remember I played on the hottest day of Wimbledon record. Uh, I don't know if it still is, but I remember 2015 we did it when I played Sasha Zverev. Yeah. And we were second round. We were when both you, dying. When, when you beat Sasha Zverev. Yeah, and I beat Sasha <laughs> Exactly. I mean, he was like 16 in the world, but we won't say that. Mad. <laughs> uh, You're too humble, man. I'm, I'm cutting that bell. <laughs> yeah. He was already destined to be top 10, and the numbers lied. So um, we were both dying in the third set. It was 7-6, and we, I think, both knew whoever won that set was going to win the match because it was just so hot. And the if you're playing long rallies on grass, it's just so much tougher than some of the other surfaces because it's all about just staying low. Your legs are just burning, and you just don't seem to recover. Oh, it's awful. Um, and yeah, we'd have to ask Isna. Isna Mahur. That match was crazy. I watched all of day two. I was a oh my god, I was a junior, and I warmed oh, them up wow. for day three. Wow! So I, I was. I saw they literally to... recently posted it on quarantine. They posted it on YouTube. The whole, the whole, the whole match. It was yeah. some like, ridiculous amount of hours, but people it's... were watching it. <laughs> I know. I, I watched that whole second day. I couldn't believe it. Third day, I warmed them up, and then, like as a junior, when I warmed up Isner to that day, I was I warmed up like six pros. And they had all lost. Oh. So I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. And I was like, I warmed up, like I warmed up Nadal when he lost to Sadalik. Oh, no. Oh, shit. So I was like, wow. <laughs> what did you do to it? <laughs> yeah, I ran, I ran. So I was like, what are we going to do? And when he won, it actually broke my curse. I was like, <laughs> ah. oh, it was so tight. Was what a cool tight. story. 
Yeah, yeah. But you, you also beat Cuevas in that same tour and Geraldo as well. So three yeah, amazing yeah. players in that. that yeah, year. and Cuevas, he was down two sets, if I remember correctly. Yeah, down two sets to love. And I was like, what is going on here? And then I just played <laughs> awesome. First time I came back from two sets to love. Uh, it was a great challenge mentally. Geraldo is when Nisha Corey pulled out. So that was a huge opportunity for both of us to play each other. When we were both unbelievable draws for each other to make a fourth yeah. round of a slam. So we were both very, very high strung. Um, uh, it was crazy. I remember, st- I still tell this story all the time. I, I got my, um, I got an audible obscenity in the right corner on court 17, far corner. Uh, I was so stressed out. I said, I need a f-ing beer because I was so stressed <laughs> out. So I went out there and then you see the umpire run, 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 run. I'm like, what? What's going on here? And then they go, audible obscenity, kudla, um, you know, warning. And I was like, no, 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 no. So I use it as an opportunity to like let out all my stress. I actually went up. I didn't know walking up on the umpire's chair is like very heavily frowned upon. So I uh, walked up to him, but I wanted to make sure I did it just so like, I wasn't aggressive. I just, so I like the microphone, we can move. And I was like, you can't give me this point penalty. All I said is I need a f-ing beer. And I'm like, that's not that bad. People are laughing. It's not awful. And I know this is a $2,000 fine. I should uh, not be fined $2,000 to be saying I need a f-ing beer on <laughs> a very high stress moment. <laughs> and he was like, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get fined. <laughs> and I'm like, no, for sure you guys are going to find me. It's a two grand. You know how many beers I can buy with two grand? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Good way so to look at it. You get a barrel, <laughs> mate. And I was like, I'll buy you $1,000 of beers. Just stop. <laughs> Take it back. So what uh, happened? Did you get fined in the end? I ended up getting like a provision, like a warning. So they said if I didn't get a warning for four slams for a year, um, or I didn't get a point penalty, I'd get that money back. So Got they it. held it for a year. But it was weird. I ended up running into the exact same situation a year later at Wimbledon. And I was like, oh, no, am I going to get my two grand back and then this fine or not? But I don't remember what happened there. I think it's just um, Wimbledon I, brings it out of you, mate. It's just, just fancy so a beer in that UK sun. <laughs> yeah, so strict. And then some of the matches, like, I don't know. They're all just getting hammered. And you're just like, yeah, I'm ready to put it on a show. Let's go. <laughs> get them involved a little bit. Sometimes it can be – I love, like, the elegance, the classiness of it. I think it's great. But sometimes you just want to spice it up and they just love it. I love it. <laughs> Oh, we absolutely love Wimbledon. It's our favourite yeah. one for sure. Like, we're there in the queue. We get up early. We're queuing up. It's just a yeah, great time. We're drinking beers and early in the morning. It's the only time it's yeah. really acceptable to do that. Everyone's um, beers at 6 a.m. Like, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else are you supposed to do for five hours? <laughs> yeah, it's, just know, such right? a, it's just an amazing day, man. It's just something which yeah. you can't really replicate anywhere else, I feel. Um, nice. We actually are running out of time. We've only got like five minutes left on this Zoom call. But right. we've got a few little questions we could we really want to ask you. And it's um, this is sort of a general one about the tour, really. I just wanted to know, like, who is your favourite player? You mentioned that you like watching tennis. Who is your favourite player to watch on tour? Doesn't have to be one of the top to guys. Watch. Someone quite random, doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, Federer is obviously the easy one because um, he was my idol. I like watching... Um, I've always loved watching Nishikori. Um, okay, Nishikori. Love watching Schwartzman. I think yeah. it's great because uh, I also try to pick things off of them as well, being one of the shorter guys. Yeah, you like the so little guys. See how, yeah, see how they succeed on that. And, and especially kind of anytime you feel bad for yourself being short, you're like, yeah, look at Schwartzman. And he's, he's thriving at that height. And I was like, of okay, course, yeah. I really just can't complain. Um, <laughs> and I really like watching team. I like watching 
but not on any surface. I like watching team on clay. I think just how far back he plays and how hard it is to play and commit that far back and hit that hard, not miss. It's just crazy. Uh, I don't think you understand how hard that is to play with that height and, and really it, leaving the drop shot completely exposed, but it's so hard to hit it. It's just nuts. It's a very so, unique style of play he's got, and it's just something which is yeah. to the eye, it's just beautiful to see. Like he plays tennis yeah. in a very unique way, which is just so far done very well for him. Like he's been doing extremely yeah. well. It's just like, it's just, when's he going to win this slam? That's what we're waiting for now. Exactly, exactly. No, it's, it's definitely uh, he's going to win slams for sure. It's a matter of time, right? Before. Yeah, he's going to be the next Roland Girls King, I think. Quite possible. Quite possible. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute honour to have you on. Someone who's beaten some of the best players in tennis. Uh, yeah, just thank you once again, Dennis. I right, appreciate it, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.